you know, for the very first time, I am dumbfounded coming onto the podcast. Even though we were chatting and hanging out for a while, uh, off mic pre pod, I failed to mention that I actually feel like I don't even have the right to lead you in on this episode of Hoop Fiends. Welcome back to a Hoop Fiends part one, where it feels strange. I didn't prepare an intro. I didn't think I was doing an intro because this doesn't even feel like my pod. Um, it's just wrong to even do this tonight. I feel like the theme of the Hoopings and this postseason has been pain. We've been coming on after Celtics like heartbreaking losses with Riley, and now Steve and I are here to talk about how we're just torn up after kind of really getting our hopes up with the Knicks in this Heat series. To talk about what does feel like a nail in, co- in the coffin going down three one, and it like I don't know why I feel like I'm telling you that like your dog died, Steve, by telling you that. <laughs> LeBron James Honestly, it, fe- it feels like it. It doesn't feel right to say, but it's nothing wrong. It's not, you know, a theory. But as it stands, it is the LA Lakers and LeBron James up 3-1 against Stephon Curry. And I think this feels right to say, Stephon Curry and your Golden State Warriors. Any quick thoughts, reactions, or just any feelings you want to share with us in the audience tonight? Yeah, I mean, probably the span of... Saturday to now this Monday oh. might, have, might have single been the three worst days of my life. Um, oh god, <laughs> just absolutely brutal pain, sadness, horror. Any adjective you could think of to describe misery. <laughs> you had a lot pain. of bad days. Yeah, you could throw those in there. Uh, uh, luckily, I mean the Golden Knights lost five one on Saturday as well to kind of throw a wrench into things. At least they won tonight. That's all I got going for me. Um, They're fun. But, it's been a great series. But basketball, man. I mean, oh, even the fucking. I mean, we're only focusing on these two series on this pod, but like, even the fucking Suns were just pissing. I know. Because and like that's that's a mess. I don't know. I just I vibes are down. It's been awful. Vibes are down, and I'm so consumed by the other series that I'm just looking at like again what is a kind of an objectively amazing Celtics Sixers series. Like the games have kind of been like blowouts, but like. It's been competitive. The storyline is there, which I didn't even realize this, that the Heat – sorry, not the Heat. I'm bringing in recent trauma that the Sixers and the Celtics have faced each other more than any other team in the in the in postseason history. So there's just so much – in our even effect in our recent fandom, so much history there. But that's like a series I'm like kind of least interested in. So maybe that's a speaking volumes to how great the playoffs kind of are right now. But it's just so hard to feel great, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're you. I mean, like I'm into it. I, I really am pulling for this Warriors team. I know I have, you know, what can only be described as a pancake history with this Warriors team. But um, there's, yeah, I don't think you can really look yourself in the mirror and root for the LA Lakers unless you're, you know, from Los Angeles. Yeah, like I loved our little idea uh, to kind of hop on with you tonight and recap these two series, which mean a lot to both of us, and then with the hop on with Riley and recap that Celtics series along with um, whatever the fucking fourth one is, uh, Suns Suns Nuggets. We're gonna do that Tuesday. <laughs> and, I think that's what Ernie Johnson said today on, on TNT. Whatever the <laughs> fuck the fourth one is. And you know what? Like I wanted more than anything. You called me like twenty minutes ago. I wanted more than anything to fucking pick up the phone and be like. John, I'm not doing this tonight. I can't do this. I thought you were going to do that. I really wanted to, but it wouldn't have been right. I couldn't no. pussy out and not come on the mic and just, like, cry and pain and yell and scream. 
It yeah. wouldn't feel right, especially after making Riley do it twice already this postseason. I know, it's raw. I, I don't know if we ever had that before in the history of this uh, podcast. I think it's – I mean, we must have – we did it with Nick's Hawks. Nick's Hawks was cool. probably the single only time where we – at least I uh, hopped on here and was, like, pissed off. Um, I feel like you've had a relatively good run uh, throughout – but Riley yeah. himself, I feel like Riley's been on after bad losses like more than anything. A lot. No, I mean, no, he's had to he's had to like face the music like in the finals. Exactly. So I had to man up. I had to talk my shit. Get on here. And, and... I think I mean, I think you're gonna walk away feeling maybe not better, but maybe you're gonna walk away just knowing that you're not sharing these feelings alone. I'm I'm standing here with you, and it is like such a bummer to actually. And this feels really different than Nick's Hawks, and I think we kind of really talked ourselves into the Knicks winning this Heat series way more than we felt like they could win the Cavs series. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the issue, right, is we went into this postseason, we would have just been so thrilled with a win over the Cavs and then getting swept by the Bucks. But the Heat taking down the Bucks just gave us this yeah. false sense of – well, I say I say now false sense of hope. I didn't. It didn't feel like a false sense of hope at the time, but that's what it is. It just gave us this, like, oh, my God, we can make the fucking finals – Maybe even win it, and <laughs> I, now we're down three one. Just, that's and it's like we just look point. like a joke. We don't like if the, if we were doing this against the Bucks, it would be like oh whatever. But the fact that it's like we had this glimmer of hope and we talked our shit, and now we're looking like this just sucks. And I think it's because of like how this is just sports in general, and, and maybe even life. But I think today with social media and just kind of feeling like you need a little bit of instant gratification, I think takes and feelings can be so reactionary but it's a bummer that when you're 3-1 and has as optimistic as we were going to when you're staring down the barrel 3-1 against jimmy buckets you start to act really reactionary right aren't you seeing like online discourse already literally within hours being like we need to not clean house but really change things and get rid of randall and how come rj rj actually is a bum look at that contract wow we really don't have any shooting we just got absolutely out-bullied and, like, pushed around. And I'm just taking it all into the face. And maybe a good way to go through it is to kind of chew through that discourse. What, what part of those things that I just talked about that I've been seeing online do you want to dive into first? For me, it's it's the Julius Randle stuff. That one really hits home for me because, I mean, it's been on this pod, too. I've been the Julius De- Randle defender through the past, like, three years now. At this yeah. Point. You've tweeted, you've tweeted and said that you will run through a brick wall for him. Yes, and I still feel that way. And obviously two years ago um, against Atlanta in the playoffs, he was a disaster, yes. But that season he was amazing and turned around New York Knicks basketball. The culture. Map. And culture, yep. And now two out of three seasons, he has led us to the playoffs, obviously in part due to Brunson this year. but And now he's also been a part of the single most successful season as a Knicks fan that pretty much we've ever had. And For sure. I just feel like it's unfortunate that it's gotten to a point where now he's getting hate again, considering one, the guy's playing through two like really bad ankle sprains and getting out there and shooting up, knowing that he needs to play for this town, play for this team, play for the city. And yeah, he's not showing up. It sucks. But like, if this was against the the Bucks, nobody would care. And that's what bothers no. me a little bit. And we're overlooking such a such an incredible season that Julius Randle has, and it. it it shouldn't be getting thrown into the back burner like it has. He's an all-NBA player this year. He turned it around. Things look great with him and Brunson. I just think it's a, a bad matchup. He's going against Bam. It's not an easy matchup for him. He's no. hurt. He's doing what he can, and I think it sucks. 
him and Bam are extremely different big men. I think you'd agree with that. And he's being asked to do a ton, a ton on some pretty nasty injuries. I thought he might have been honestly crossed off for the series. And again, it, it sounds like we're cutting some slack. I think I'm just looking at everything now. In their win, he in the, the one game we've won this series, he had 20 points. He has, and then tonight, what do you have tonight? I think he had over 20 again tonight, right? He he had some bad turnovers tonight, but he didn't play like awfully. He played bad on defense. No, he, he put up 20 again. Low, but he, yeah. had, he had 20 and 9 again before he fouled out. He shot 8 of 13. Like His shooting percentage has been the problem, but it wasn't tonight. I just think his lack yeah. of like defensive firepower hasn't been there, which has been part of why people have been against him. But again, it's how much explosiveness does a guy have on two bum ankles? It's tough. I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to cut him some slack because he's been bad. But also, his twenty points and nine rebounds tonight—that was the th- like no one else did anything. So no, and R- so RJ and Brunson were great, but no one else contributed <laughs> at all. Like I'm happy with that. Are, are you're a you're a yeller at the TV when you watch sports, right? That's a rhetorical I scream, question, especially when I, things I've, are going wrong. I've been watching sports with you live for eight years. I know you do that, but I do it too. I want to ask you. Was he in the top three of the names you were yelling at the TV tonight? Not even close. Not even close. Josh Hart. I was I was really mad. I, I think Josh Hart had his worst game of the Nick tonight. Yeah, horrible timing for that. And look at what we've loved so much about Josh Hart. He was, you know, Mr. Spirit and diving for loose balls and doing all the little things that don't really show up on stat sheets, right? But to just pull a little bit, I don't want to say this name because I feel like you'll end the meeting, but – I, I just feel like what the Knicks need and what any team that wins a championship needs is is a Lonnie Walker type player. Oh, uh, dude. But you know no, but do you know what I'm saying? I feel like we've had like our big guys who like are you know, they went I kinda use this nickname, I use it I used it lovingly, the mid three of Jalen, RJ and Randall. They've kind of been like not showing up to the point to win games or to be leading the series, but they've been there and putting up their stats. But we have not had one guy to come out and help off the bench and just shoot the lights out of the damn ball. There well, isn't that guy in the Knicks. Yeah, and what circuit. sucks, too, is, I mean, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but you bring up Lottie Walker, like, I mean, Emmanuel quick, quickly is 50 times better than that guy, and he just hasn't shown up at all this postseason. No, this, now he not got hurt. Him. Yeah, now, well, now he got hurt, and, yeah, okay. Yeah, obviously he's not going to play. But before then, he was a negative on the court, so it didn't even matter. And this was the guy who was second and runner-up in sixth man of the year. We counted on this guy. We, both, I think we both mentioned him as a guy who might break out in the playoffs. Like This guy was incredible. Yeah. I had so much faith in him. He's, an, he's a guy with so much confidence. I could not fathom why he wasn't playing well in the postseason. And I think that's what we've been missing, and no one has been able to give us a punch besides the mid-three. Quinn Grimes really right. hasn't made shots. Josh no. Hart, all the like you said, all the little things that he's done for us have been incredible. But his shot hasn't been there. He hasn't been making threes. He hasn't really been making. Yeah, jumps. he, he, hasn't been making he was. Threes. I do want to save him for a second. I'm not like let's move on from him. I'd love it if he stayed in there. He was incredible in the game that we won, like down the stretch, incredibly clutch. But apart from that, unrecognizable. Clocking in with like almost just getting cardio out there tonight with four points. No, exactly. He, I, I cannot hate on the guy. He was bad tonight. He was, but he's been so, was. so incredible for us. And we shouldn't be having to rely on him for a scoring punch. He should be the rebounder. He should be the guy who's playing great yeah. defense and doing all the dirty things and running in transition. But yes, we're in a position where we need him to be a secondary scorer. That's not who he is. And 
he's not coming through in that role. It sucks. No, that's just no. Like a little bit of the magic is fizzling off a bit. I think, and any time you come to New York and play like that, your name is going to shine a lot brighter. But Josh Hart, like through and through, is like at his apex, like an ultimate role player. He shouldn't even be expected to be doing the things that we want him to do. He's never been in this situation before. But let's like almost bring this full circle. All of these, all of the mentioning that we're doing right now of role players and players who aren't named Julius Randle is to give him a break. Like it, you, I do not. I am so disappointed in this team, in the team, and I'm not thinking front, like at my frontal lobe about Julius Randle. And I think, did you catch any of his post game interview? I know he had one interesting comment. I'm sure you're gonna bring up. Yeah, he had a comment where he's like, I guess they just want it more than us. Yeah. And he's being, like, facetious because that's so much what it comes down to. And I don't know. I think, like, it was a little – I think he was a little bit more pointed at that reporter's question because he's, like, I think kind of looking for that kind of answer. So – and kind of a little bit points to the attitude of Julius Randle, which I almost wanted to talk to you about. And I mean, the Knicks are honestly at – I don't even know if I want to say a crossroads, but it's a really weird situation where there are, like, almost – two alphas slash co-leaders on the team right now with him and Brunson. And they the way they handle the media, it couldn't be any different. No, yeah. I mean, Jalen Brunson is literally... The poster boy, like, perfect. Yeah, so you'd, you'd put him on, like, a, a video to teach young athletes on how to handle the media. And he yeah. does... And that's because he's a Jay Wright guy. Yeah, for sure. And he does a great job doing that. And I think Julius, especially after what he went through last year, with all the media hate and the thumbs down, traumatized. Yeah, I think, I think it's in part. I don't want to blame the fans, but I, I think the fans have some blame in it because he, if we were, we all turned on him. We all said this guy needs to be traded. This guy's got to go, and he has yeah. that at the back of his mind that whenever he doesn't perform, he's going to get a bunch of shit from the media, from the fans, and from everybody. And I don't think, I don't want to say like, oh, that's why he does it. I think he just has like an up and down relationship and. It's gonna come out if everyone hated me and I should, like I did good one game and be like oh well fuck you guys you didn't like me when I was bad I know you would <laughs> I, I would handle it way worse than Julius Randle that's for sure hundred percent hundred percent and like oh uh, I don't want to even get to this point yet but like I I he's a player where if he kind of pulled what we see so much in the NBA these days with players you know you know namingly in Brooklyn not that you could. Uh, Kyrie or like Harden just up and leave a team. I think I'd be upset. I don't want him to do that. So let's not push this guy away so far. Well, I'm already kind of thinking towards next year. But it is 3-1. There is something to be played for. I do want to I do want to extend this series. Am I at all hopeful to come back and win this thing and make history? It has been done, but I think it's like under 10 times in the NBA, honestly. I think it's like seven or eight. So kind of starting to write this off. Do you have any other closing comments before we pivot to the second 3-1 series that we watched happen tonight? Yeah, just want to close on Julius Randle real quick, too. It's like yeah, of course. All, all the points I brought up on him, It's again, I mentioned this when we first started talking about him. It shouldn't be overlooked where how well I thought he did handle the media almost this entire year. And I thought everything was just clicking and was perfect. This entire year, the whole Brunson-Julius Randle thing I thought was perfect this entire year. And again, I just yeah. have to 
reiterate that this series and like yeah how he's played how he's handled the media has been awful his effort not there but i don't think this series should define his relationship with the knicks the fans the media and everything i think we need to cut him some slack in a sense of moving forward to next year like you said we shouldn't be be okay well this is it we got to get rid of him again i think that's just insane at that point i think you agree i totally agree i think he offers something that very few players do at that position I think a really impulse thing to do, and honestly, I'm kind of scared a very Knicks thing to do would be to make an impulse decision and try to move on from him. And I think you honestly need to fix the team around him. And you fix the team around him by getting him to play like he is an incredible passing power forward. Get him guys that can shoot or <laughs> like just get it's And what's unfortunate is, is like, dude, like we are deep. We were so deep last round and just like, the players that made us feel like we had a deep team of shooters like like showed up and now they weren't. So I'm thinking about just like let's move on from these guys and get people that are tried and proven three-point shooters because a lot of times in the playoffs, a lot of the warts of this league are roast to the surface where it becomes a make-or-miss league and we were just missing. So let's build around him and not move on from him is, yeah. is my biggest prevailing thought. Yeah, I brought this up um, with Corey on Twitter Corey will be uh, hopping on the pod. Uh, for Go, Corey. Fans, for those fans of Corey, me and him will Friend be the discussing pod. Celtic Sixers and some other NBA playoff stuff on Thursday, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But I brought this up to him, and I feel like it's a really good comparison. And Julius Randle should really be in a Chris Bosh type of role where he was in Miami. Just the third guy, uh, when Wade and LeBron yeah. were, weren't on the court, they could turn it to Julius for a little bit for stretches of the game. Uh, but when those two are on and on the court – He's in the corner. He's shooting threes. He The offense runs through him sometimes. They run some plays for him. But I think he's just a really, really good number three option. And we have the one or two in Jalen Brunson right now. And I just think we just need a true number two uh, to put with him and make yeah. number three to make RJ a four. And the team would just be so much better off like that. And not to – I'll say it a million, million times, God, I wish it would be Jalen Brown to have the two Jalens on the Knicks. Yeah. If he is to leave Boston at any point. Wow, yeah. I think that is the single purpose fit. <laughs> start the narrative. Yeah. I'm starting it now. I mean, again, it's the types, these are the types of names you're going to hear, right? It's going to be James Harden too in the off season that I don't want. You're, we're going to hear the Zach Levines. That's going to be an awesome topic of conversation over the off season. Cause we're going to be dis- divided on that. But Jalen Brown is literally the perfect fit. He shoots, he does everything. He could slide in at the two or three alongside RJ, and then you have Brunson, you have Randall. That's a great four right there. But that's looking ahead to the future. Maybe, maybe, who knows, we can sneak out game five and then send it to Miami, and who knows. I, I got to still believe a little bit, right? We have to have a little belief. No, we've, we've had life and certainly have had life this playoff series, so like, I'm – I'm not going to be like, I'm not watching <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. I'm not one of those fans at all. Like, I'm not feeling like, well, at least we had a good year. Oh, the old Knicks. Like, <laughs> wait, this is yeah. only our fourth playoff appearance. I can't keep doing that voice forever. Yeah. This is only our fourth playoff appearance, 21st century. Like, at least we made it here. I'm not like, feeling glass half yeah. full right now. But I think, like, once we're having, um, you know, episodes over the summer, I think I will look back on this season very fondly. Agreed. 3-1. has happened before we're going back to msg for game five we should win that theoretically and then you know who knows i guess it only no it's crazy and then it's a new series yeah if you just take it game by game 
I, I love this little positive outlook we're ending on with the Knicks. Yeah, let's get out of here while we're filming. Yeah. Well, uh, this, let's end it on a lighter note, too, because I did want to bring up this uh, this tweet I actually had um, after the first quarter of game one of the series when I tweeted, <clears throat> the Knicks are so much better than the Heat at legitimately every aspect of the game of basketball. Scoring, <laughs> passing, defense. <laughs> Energy rebounding. Let's do this. Come on. I think I was wrong about every single one of those statements. I think the Heat are legitimately better than the Knicks at every single aspect of the game of basketball. I just thought that was a little funny statement. I that's said. a lot of fun. I, that's, that shows how high, flying high we were heading into the series. Oh, that was incredible. And then ever since that first quarter of game one, it's been pure and utter pain. I mean, Jimmy Butler just like should have been more in the MVP conversation this year. Yeah, literally. If there was a if there was a playoff MVP. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. So maybe like a, yeah, this, I'll stop stalling. This, all right. I want to pose a question. Is this just as tough of a pill to swallow? It sounds weird, but I know you, man, and I I don't know very many people that do their homework on this league more than you do, and especially being Knicks fans. Why we're honestly, I have a lot to thank the Knicks for. We're huge fans of the league in general because we're Knicks fans, and they've given us very little postseason fun in our entire life. So you have to appreciate the league sport and the beauty of it all, right? And in that time, you've just developed a fostering and continue to foster a beautiful relationship with the Golden State Warriors. As long as I've known you, they've been your guys, and. As long as I've known you, you've also really not been a fan of one LeBron James. So I can't imagine how you're feeling tonight. Like, narratively, I was concerned for you. What's the gut reaction walking away from this game? Yeah, it's lame to say, but as like you said, as a Knicks fan, it's lame to say that this Warriors loss hurt way, way more. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. It's worse, yeah. And it's honestly, it's honestly not even close. And Well, it, it meant more. It did, and like, like I said, I was able to have a little fun there with the Knicks. Like we brought it up, <laughs> we we had a great season. Yeah, if we were playing the Bucks, this would have been chalked up as like an amazing season and something to build upon. Yeah, we got our false sense of hope and got our hopes way too high, and it's leading to a little bit of a letdown. But like you said, we'll look back on it and be like, you know what, the season was a great success. Uh, this one has hurt way more. It's almost has me wishing. They just lost Game Seven to Sacramento and got it over with because I like no. the Kings, and I think the Kings would have absolutely wiped the floor with this Lakers team. So it sucks, but that's kind oh, of the no. position it's gotten me in. And you say no, so I'll send it over to you, and hopefully you could tell me why I shouldn't be hoping that. No, I'm gonna come at you with this because I, I I do think that I'm gonna say no for a couple reasons, but I'm gonna start off with. A being what's been amazing to have on this week in the background. I've always bring up that I just I work from home a lot of the week and I just roll ESPN daytime TV just as like ASMR while I'm working, right? And just nonstop during this series and leading up to the series, they've been pumping out into the, the culture and consumers so much Curry versus LeBron goat talk. And I legitimately think that there's a possibility that the goat conversation or just who's better than who you know, barbershop, late night debate, you know, bar debate conversation is mostly going to move from Curry LeBron versus Jordan LeBron. I think everyone's tired of Jordan LeBron. Like, that's such an apples or oranges situation. It's different eras. 
and maybe not even GOAT, but just who defined this era, it's going to be completely LeBron versus Curry and like don't even consider bringing Kevin Durant into that conversation. I won't hear it. It's one of the two for who defined this era. So the fact that they survived the Kings is so much better because that's been a constant debate. And the fact that they even had a chance to duke it out one more time, even if he loses, is good for Curry's legacy. I'm telling you because – he got to get in that venue one more time. If they dropped that first series to the Kings, it would have been like, oh my God, burn it all to the ground. The defending champs couldn't even beat the Kings in the first round. Yeah, you're right. And I guess that would take away that like amazing Steph Curry game seven game too. Yeah, the 50-burger was ridiculous. But again, like it's, it's really hard to see him, I'm sure, as a massive fan. And I am absolutely pulling for the Warriors here, as much as it may make you concerned and maybe I'm partially to blame. When I tend I to think, root for I the Warriors, here. <laughs> when I root for the Warriors, they do poorly. But when I just doubt them and come down and hate on them, they win championships like they did last year. So Bob Myers is going to find my apartment and end me. But <laughs> not my fault. But, yeah, like you just saw history kind of happening and – a lot of it was kind of out of Curry's hands. I think I want to go ahead and just kind of get a little positive with you while I'm right, while I still have you on the positive train. I think we kind of had a vintage Curry game tonight, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, and not when it mattered. Definitely not when it mattered. Uh, those misses at the end, especially with Anthony Davis guarding him, really took a lot out of me. Uh it's it's actually it's so much harder to talk about this game than it was the Knicks. It's crazy. Um, it's <laughs> hang in there. It's it's just like I wanted. So I had some thoughts in my head. Right, if they won this game, I literally I was actually going to come on here and say that this was one of my favorite Curry games that I've ever seen because yeah, he's doing it all. What he was doing, obviously putting up a triple double, the way he was passing the ball, I think he had like fourteen Aww. assists. Dude, the Divincenzo assist, like behind the back going to the cup. Yeah, just crazy. And it was interesting. It was a night it was like a cool thing to see, like with his shot really not falling, to kind of still see how he was able to dominate and impact the game, kind of just like vintage LeBron used to do. Right. And it was the N one three he hit. Um midway through the fourth quarter where I kind of thought he might get his groove back. And it was kind of unfortunate that he just couldn't hit a three. I don't think he had a three after that. Um, I thought he took a couple of bad shots there with Anthony Davis guarding him at the end, but I'd rather him shoot it than Jordan Poole shoot it like he did in game one. So he's got to live with it. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, it's just tough. It's tough when it's against LeBron. I think that's what hurts the most, obviously. Well, I did text you this, and I wasn't even just like – Texting you just I'm not I wasn't like trying to chirp you, but we did have a, a second blocked by James. Did did uh did was it called that? Was it I oh I, I was so distracted. Well Mike Breen wasn't on the call tonight, was he? Who was on the call for this? No, game? it was like Mark Davis or something. I don't know. <laughs> some some two K wannabes. But um I'm just calling out like legendary people as two K wannabes. They're gonna find me. <laughs> but um yeah, the fact that it was not, you know, LeBron wasn't blocking Iguodala this time. He blocked Steph. Just like, and you know that you're going to be hearing in the next few days just so much praise for like Lonnie Walker, which we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to, I can't believe that this podcast has to do a Lonnie Walker like section and deep dive. I just shared a photo of when he got drafted. He had like the flat brim, like 
just like ridiculously like high and hanging off his head with Adam Silver. It's like he's all he's he's a fun like guy who has always been able to shoot well and is like oh Lonnie Walker maybe someday. But I can't believe he just he came out of the woodwork tonight. And I'm not sure how tuned into LeBron's post game interview you were on the court, but he kind of gave a vintage, uh, you know, vintage word of the evening LeBron interview where he kind of like you know how he always tries to act like he predicted the future. Oh, he yeah. was. He was talking. Did he say, to, uh, well, well, let me guess. Did he say, like, I knew it since we signed him. I knew we added in him. Or I knew it since he was drafted. I knew we added in him. Did he say something like that? Like, to a T. <laughs> so he was, I know that guy. Yeah, he was talking to the reporter, and he was like, what did you say to Lonnie tonight that just inspired him in this game? He's like, well, I haven't been saying – he goes, it wasn't Lonnie tonight that I talked to him. It's what I've always been saying to him, getting ready for the playoffs, that Lonnie, just stay ready. We're going to need you. Like – Get, I, I want I can can Lonnie Walker corroborate because there's just a good <laughs> chance that they've never had a conversation that's lasted more than a few sentences. <laughs> there's there's just <laughs> one of the only conversations you probably had with him was like, "Damn, Lonnie, we just traded for like all these guys. You ain't playing no more. Sorry." Yeah, you're dumb. Well, I've been trying to figure out what Lonnie is short for all night too. I tweeted, "Lonald Walker game." <laughs> is it Lonald? I don't know. It's got to be short for something. Everything's short for something. Yeah, I know. I, I always go back to. I don't know when this this like viral video came out, but someone did like a fake voiceover of LeBron like celebrating the three one comeback because there's like this really funny picture of him like hugging Kevin Love's like legs, and he's just like, "God damn it, Kevin! I was gonna fucking kill you! I was gonna kill you in front of all these kids, Kevin! Thank God you learned to play defense for one possession, Kevin!" Like <laughs> and he I did do a great job that way. I, I enjoy like the like the speculation that LeBron. I think he's a pretty good teammate. This is a different podcast I'm now veering into, but I think there's a good chance that he's like a little bit aloof to the young guys on this team. But the young guys on his team showed up. I think Austin Reeves is like a better Alex Caruso because he can actually score at a really efficient rate. Uh, I was just incredible in this basketball game. Reeves was incredible, and he's kind of like I think we at the end of the postseason might have to crown him as one of the breakouts because it's like they're gonna have to pay the man. It's kind of crazy, and again, we were talking about the Knicks. I just wish they had one of our guys act like that. Just like someone break out and have a game. Well, and yeah, I think that's the Warriors could have used that. Yeah, well, you led me in perfectly. I think that's going to be the story of this game, at least in my head. I feel like no one's going to make it the story. But, God, I mean, Steph, yeah, he didn't have a great shooting night, but it reminded me of all those old Cavs teams where LeBron was doing everything and nobody would help him. Nobody could do anything. And No, it's the Steph show. It's guys that, I mean, Clay Thompson, man, he hit that one corner three to put them up three late in the fourth. Yeah. And after having an absolutely abysmal night the entire night, he's like, all right, well, I made that. I guess I can make everything. And then he just started chucking up threes with hands in his face. I'm like, guy, if you're open, shoot it, but it's not your night, pal. Like, you can't be doing that. And that, not, been Steve Kerr. and that doesn't even bring up Jordan Poole, who he's not even playable. That guy played 10 minutes today and had more turnovers than points. What the fuck happened to him? I know, and he had a pretty good series against the Kings, right? Like, it wasn't like... It's not good, he, but better than this. A lot better than this. He, he's, he had six points in game two. Five points in game three and zero tonight. He had a great I mean, no game one. Got into... after, 
I think he got, I think after that shot he missed in game one, it's just gotten into his head more. Yeah, that was really ugly. Well, again, that shouldn't even happen in the first place. We haven't recorded since this whole series started. That was maddening. No, just an awful shot. You should have told Draymond to punch him all over again. Yeah, and it's just been a summation of this whole damn series, and I think that's what sucks, too. It's like all the the, uh, people I've made fun of that have been like, oh, well, LeBron had no help in those Cavs series. I told him to shut up. Like, who cares? Well... Fucking wish Steph had as much help as LeBron's getting this series. A hundred percent. Yeah, it sucks. I think I texted you like towards the end of the game, or no, like I think I texted you. I think I texted you this thought I'm about to say, and then I said, "But the Dubs are looking good." I I texted you, and I really do feel like it. That what's not being spoken about enough is that, and why I've always let's just get to the bottom of it. Why I come down hard on Anthony Davis on this podcast is that he should be playing so much better and capitalizing for this Lakers team because they literally sold the farm for him to ca- to capitalize on a, what remains of LeBron's prime. And he, for the most part, hasn't really shown up, but he's actually proven myself and so many people wrong this playoff series. And he did tonight defensively. So, But what I'm trying to say is that on paper, the Lakers have such a better supporting cast for LeBron than the supporting cast that Curry has. It's true. Like, the talent up and down should it just isn't there for Curry right now. His guys that he fought in the trenches for in, like, you know, over 100 playoff games the past decade in Clay and Draymond is just not working, and I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason for that trio. Yeah, I mean, Moses Moody closed out the game today. I like I like him in general, but that just shows... Moody? Yeah, that like, just shows where the team's at. Crazy. I agree. You can't have Moses Moody closing out a game. And you can't have Draymond Green being as – I think he was pretty ineffective. He had a lot of boards and was playing a little bit closer to himself, but he just threw the ball away at the end there, and I hope that's remembered. Well, I think to, be, to be fair, I actually, I did want to touch on that. I don't think that was on Draymond at all. You know what happened there? That was a drawn-up play in the timeout. And the Lakers knew exactly what the play was going to be. He ran yeah. that play. It was drawn up for Clay in the corner. And Anthony Davis was literally just standing right there knowing what's coming. Which is, I don't know if that's Darvin Ham. I don't know who caught that. I don't know if it was probably LeBron. Or well, whatever. the Warriors always run that play. But, yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. And Draymond had, like, he had five turnovers today. He wasn't great. But that one I don't think was on him at all. Uh, I just thought that was actually, that was one thing I wanted to give kudos to the Lakers on, because I thought that was incredible. Well, Darvin Ham's been a great coach. He's just like, I mean, I think a lot of, it sounds strange, but in a lot of sports, like, you can't quantify it, but just some nights, especially in the postseason, teams just come out with zero energy, but when they do come out firing all cylinders, and you're getting games out of people you've never heard of before, you have to credit the coaching, because that's kind of all they do. Is just yell, is yell with and at their guys to inspire something, and he's inspiring people like Lonnie Walker Jr. What I mean, I don't mean to torture you, but talk to me about what happened with Lonnie Walker towards the end of that game. What were you seeing? I mean, it was just a guy who, dude, I don't fuck, I don't know. That was I... he caught fire. Yeah, just crazy. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be anything long term? Like at least in this postseason. Like probably not, but no. it worked for this night. And I guess that I guess it just speaks to the depth and 
confidence these Lakers guys have because yeah, I mean to be honest, LeBron wasn't good in this game either. He he had one no. of the worst playoff games I remember uh, from LeBron, and it was basically Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker closing this entire game out. Really, he, weird. he was awesome in the first half, and he was awesome on defense in the second half. But he was nowhere to be found on the offensive no. side of the ball. He's missing Those everything. Guys literally closed the entire game out, and it was it was baffling. They outdueled Clay and Steph. It was Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker, man, and. Uh, you, I, I don't, I don't know what to say about Lottie Walker. I mean, he's, I was just, I was just so furious because it was, that's the guy who's beating me right now. Like it was so, like I almost would have rather been LeBron or AD. You know, then it's like, all right, well, it happens. They're just that good. But this, is, this guy's making shots. Are you fucking kidding me? No, it's a bummer that it just comes down to team construction. I think the Lakers are just like. Three points better constructed. It comes down to that much, man. And I don't want to get too much on the future. I don't want to quite put away your Warriors yet. But I'm really feeling like one of the two teams and what we described as the other fucking four series, the Nuggets or Suns, will be facing the other Eastern Conference teams. I, I, I still kind of think both these teams aren't that good. Is that a weird take? I no, feel like I... they're both like trying to – I think they're both trying to see who can like – lose the least rather than like win like th- these teams are like crawling to the finish line and i don't think it's going to end in five i really don't no i i still i completely agree with you uh, i felt that way very strongly uh about the memphis lakers series where i felt both of those teams weren't good i thought the lakers were just a slightly less worse team um and then i felt i just felt going into this series that the lakers were bad the warriors as a team were just no better same. And I think that's just that's where I went wrong. It was completely wrong. It was just assuming that, you know, Clay Thompson, as much as I like was up and down, we all were like kind of making fun on him. And then he would have some good games last postseason, whatever. Like he had a great game too, and they won game two. He just needs to make some shots and they'll win these games. It's not that crazy of a theory to just say if Steph had one other guy right. playing well, they would win games, but I mean, Andrew Wiggins is just not – he's been okay, but that's been it. Jordan Poole's not helping. Clay's not helping. And there's just nothing there right now. But what was exciting about Wiggins last year in the postseason is kind of what we're getting from him now. It's like, oh, nice. Like, look at Wiggins averaging, like, you know, close to, like, 17 to 20 last season in the postseason. And he's playing really great defensively and, like, guarding Luka. That's amazing. But then you still have – Curry killing it, and Poole was so good last year in the postseason in comparison to this year. And Clay so was, like, fine. Like, even Clay if was Clay good. Was he was off. supporting, he was okay. yeah. yeah. He was consistent. He was consistent. So the fact that we shouldn't expect Wiggins to, like, be the number two to Curry, because that's ridiculous. So I think you, I, I think it's really realistic to say that, like, you cannot take away that he is one of the best shooters ever and a part of a bona fide dynasty. But Clay Thompson as a stud and like massively impactful player in this league is gone. I think he is now like a pretty good supporting player. And I think they might have to reshuffle the deck a bit this year. I think they were really hoping they can kind of just pass off the torch to their young guys and Moody and Wiseman while they still had him and their and Kamingo, but they're not quite getting there as soon as they thought they'd be. So instead of just having like, you know, play go to the 
bench and like let those guys start to start. They might have to like move around some players like off the team. I'm I don't know if you wanted to even eulogize the Warriors like that yet. If, I think that's jumping the gun a bit, but I think it's time to you have to capitalize on Curry because I don't take away all the praise we give Curry in the first King series whatsoever. It wasn't hyperbole. There's still a, an argument for this being the best version of this player that we've ever seen, and I I, I agree with that. I stick true to that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we'll save like a whole. What do the Warriors do now for when they lose? Um, and like we were kind of touching on, it's like well, for this Clay stuff. I mean, he hasn't been awful all year. I feel like he had some moments, especially with Steph out earlier in the year. Where I think he had like a, some forty and fifty point games. He did. Like, like he looked to be not like the old Clay. Like that was clearly gone. But he looked to still have the same shooting stroke and to be able to like just space the floor and like you said, just be like a good supporting player for him. But he was like talking this big game, big shit, like I can't wait to go into LA. That's where my father that's, played. Like it's gonna be so sad. much fun. And he had a great game in game two. He had thirty points and it was huge. And then he comes in and drops fifteen points in game three. Uh let's see his shooting percentage. He was Five of 14, and then tonight has nine points on three of 11. That just can't happen. You can His have... shot selection was abysmal. Yeah, and the bad shots at the end of the game, like I brought up earlier, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where things go from here because if you can't rely on Clay to at least be a number three, they're in a world of trouble. It's not good. No, it's not good. It's great they avoided and pushed off the. I would have hated and been so annoyed with seeing like the what are the Warriors doing the offseason narrative like soon like earlier had they lost to the Kings, but we're gonna get it at some point. So it's kind of good to brace. Um, I know you were kind of tweeting about this a bit, and it was really interesting to see. And I did just send you that tweet with that like corgi, that dog who picks all the games <laughs> right. There is. I saw a funnier tweet on the topic that I'm finally going to get to bring up if I could stop uh, prologging it. But what what do we do and how do we act if there is a 3-1 comeback here? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something kind of I wanted to touch on. Um, for both, honestly, both of these series... It like, the, feels feasible. Well, for, yeah, for both of these Knicks, for the Knicks Heat and the Warriors, uh, Warriors-Lakers, it really felt like, oh, like... These are just destined to be evened up at two and head back to no. like New York and Golden State, respectively, uh, with a 2-2 tie and the Warriors and Knicks looking to take the lead. And I think that part of me was like, I think that's another reason why I was so astonished and just baffled here today. It's I just never thought either of these series would go down 3-1. It just didn't seem uh, like it was a possibility. Bummer. Yeah. And, I mean, when it comes to a 3-1 comeback, I mean, that – specifically in this Lakers Warrior series, that's all I got, man. In my head, it's like <laughs> it's You have more than that in life. Please well, yeah, well, 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 uh no. Uh but uh in my head it's like, well, you know, maybe this is it. This is what they needed to over Steph overcoming the three one deficit against LeBron. How right. great and how sweet would that be to overwrite history? It doesn't seem out of the picture. Honestly, for 
both he's, teams, because we brought it up specifically this right. one, though, the Warriors and Knicks should both reasonably win game five. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks fucked it up, but and then it's a best of three. Then it's a well. That if they win Game Five, they just got to win two. Not right. Not extremely likely, but you never no, know. More... I mean, it's not like the Lakers are absolute world beaters. You know, it's there's no. That's that's what we were talking about before. They both like seem like they're kind of they they're both kind of bad. Like I'm really intimidated for either of these teams to face the Thunder Nuggets. That's a good series. That's a series where both teams are like. Go, you know, going wire to wire, and been well, not really so much with the first few games, they were blowouts, but the last two games where the Suns have won have been really close and exciting to watch. But I, I think the biggest thing that should be faith, like faithful for it is the the Warriors avoided a three one deficit in the Western Conference Finals this very same year that they blew a three one lead. But they have blew a three one lead, but they came back. They came back a really against a really good Kevin Durant OKC team. With the same core trio, so who's to say they couldn't do it again? But it's just a little hard to like rally it and put it on wax and guarantee it because the supporting cast is just terrible. Yeah, I think a real big reason they made that three one comeback against OKC was Clay, and that's that's the game six Clay. Yeah, and we're they're definitely gonna need game six clay. I mean that's that's your formula, right? They take care of business right. in Golden State, they win game five. Game six clay comes out in LA and finally has a game, and then you get to seven. We've seen in the past anything could happen. You never know. And I think that's kind of the theory and like hope and prayers that you're sending is that they can send it back to game uh six clay and Hope to God that something goes their way. That's it. Your lips to Steve Kerr's lips, and then to their locker room, and boom. <laughs> Check it out, Steve Kerr. And that's all you got to do. Uh, I don't even think he's been that bad of a coach this series. I love that man. I actually go to bat for him so hard. So nothing to fall on him for. Well, um, yeah, that's that's a great point, John. And I didn't even really mention kind of what really really sucks about the Warriors losing this game too. Uh, is because I thought their game plan was absolutely excellent. Uh, starting throwing Gary Payton into the starting lineup, everyone was questioning yeah. that adjustment, but they were forcing Anthony Davis into these pick and rolls that seemed to be working almost every single time. And this just this was just a game that the Warriors like. If you were uh, penciling it in in like the scorebook yeah. beforehand, it's like they had to win this game. It was theirs. They outplayed them the entire game. And the Lakers managed to steal it, and just like the Lakers managed I mean, to steal Game One, they've been was coming working. away with these. It was working. They like they unfortunately blew a lead. They were up by ten until Lonnie Walker became Michael Jordan. Yeah, like, I think I think that just kind of threw a loop in everything. I mean, yeah, everything they were doing was working, and of course they just didn't account for that. Like it's it, it's tough, and me and Riley will probably talk about this tomorrow, but. Same thing with Landry Shamit. I mean, what's like you just don't account for that. It's crazy. It hurts, and, and that's think, why, and that's yeah. why you pay shooters in this league. Look at how awful the Duncan Robinson and the Duncan Robinson and like a Joe Harris or even like Michael Porter Jr. contract are. Everyone hates those contracts, but yeah. it's because like really good shooting is in, is almost invaluable. Like that, you pay someone like Shamit so much money. Is because like odds are he's gonna get really hot once or twice in the postseason, and that's it. 
<laughs> you yeah, just like ride right. your time until it's the playoffs and like hope you get a Shamit game, like hopefully two or three of them. But that's why like you pay them millions of dollars. Nah, exactly. And we'll kind of I'll kind of lead us out and talk about, you know, I kind of I brought it up earlier. I think you're right, and you talked me out of it. The Warriors losing the Kings would have been way worse. I'm glad it happened. I'm glad we got here. I'm glad I talked you out of it. Yes, yeah, nice. but man, it just. If they were just losing right now to the Nuggets, it'd be like, all right, like whatever, it happens. This team had a tough season. It was a good. Yeah. Game. It just blows that, like you said, <laughs> we had we had all this talk. It was amazing. Yeah, Steph Curry versus LeBron. The narrative was there, and to go into the series, it just that felt, was important. It felt like it was just gonna be an awesome notch for Steph Curry. It reminds yeah. me a little bit of when. Uh, Mahomes went up against Brady in the Super Bowl, and it was like, oh, I know, well, young young goat versus old goat, and obviously Steph and LeBron are way closer in age and resumes than those two were at the time. But it felt like this was the last notch that uh, Steph could have kind of took on LeBron, you know. And like now, if LeBron wins this series, it's almost gonna be like, well, he's Steph can never catch up to him. Not that he probably was going to anyway, but it would have been really really nice. Right. To- to go out well, and I prefer yeah. it would have never happened in that aspect. I completely agree. And I think what I again it's just some random daytime talk show positioned it in a way that I like to look at best. It's like it's it would have meant so much more. It just exactly what you're just saying, just to reverb it to you, but, but it would have mattered so much more for Curry to win the series than it's gonna matter for LeBron. Because like we were talking about at the top of it, it's forever gonna be uh old goat, new goat, is it best is the best ever Jordan to LeBron. I don't see Curry ever cracking into that. But if he won this series, it would have been a bit of a conversation where if like Le- if LeBron loses this series, it wouldn't have been the end of the world for him. He's still the second best player or best player of all time. But if Curry won the series, he jumps up like so many more spots in the top 10 conversation. Yeah, I I it's like it's would I have preferred to just, like I said, lose to the Nuggets and not even have had to deal with these conversations? Maybe. But it goes to, I just I tweeted this in last sentiment, was kind of my last residual after like reflecting after both games tonight and just kind of sitting outside on my porch, you know, having a good time. I, just, I, just <laughs> I, I love when we have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, I just tweeted. Is that what we call it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If anyone knows what I was, most people know what I was doing out on my porch. If We're having a good time. Just having a good time. And I just tweeted, fuck man, which was, that was how I was feeling. <laughs> fuck man. But then I tweeted, God, I love basketball. And. Oh, did you? Good. It, it did. And it's, it, it really is the only sport that can instill this amount of emotion for oh, me. Oh, come on. It's the best, isn't it's it? So, like... It's so beautiful in the lore and the history and how much I care about these teams and players and as much as I love football, as much as I hate baseball, as much as I love other <laughs> That's sports. That's the best way to put baseball. It's like, I wake up every day to hate baseball. Baseball is sadomasochism. You're supposed to hate yourself while watching it. <laughs> exactly. And as much as I watch and, root and watch pretty much all sports, uh, nothing is basketball. And it's just amazing what this sport is and how much it means to us all and how much oh, I yeah. love it. And no matter what happens with Steph, no matter what happens with Knicks, uh, this sport is just amazing. It's why we do it. It's why we like put aside like 
hours throughout our weeks in the postseason and shift around our schedules and find ways to make it work, man, and do these mini-sodes. Um, one of my favorite pods we've ever done. It's I can't wait to listen to you and Riley talk about, you know, whether his Celtics play the way he hopes they're going to play and cover what's been an awesome series with the Nuggets and Suns. I wish we could have clipped that last monologue you just did, man, and put it out there because this is why we do this pod and, you know, why if you're not listening to the Hoop Fiends, get on board because we're in our busy season, as we call it, baby. Hell yeah. And hopefully awesome. hopefully Riley's in better spirits than I, I was tonight. I'm rooting for – I'm honestly rooting for the Celtics because we need some positive Hoop Fiends episodes. It's been a bummer of a postseason for us. It has we're been. finally all in the postseason. We're finally all in the po- – this is the first time – where like we've had so much in the second round, yeah, yeah, crazy. What are you gonna do? It's fun. It's a podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we keep talking about all these awesome episodes and where to find us. If you want to tell the people the best way to start listening, at Hoop Fiends Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, we have feeds on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, that you can subscribe to, and that would greatly help us out. Uh, Football Fiends doesn't have this so much emotion, but still. Still a fun follow. And then, Johnny Oz, you've got the screen fiends if you want to plug real quick before we go. Yeah, it's been a blast. Succession is, like, hurtling towards the end of that season. And it's been a lot of fun. I have ripped a couple solo pods, but Riley has been guiding that ship with me and hosting that with me the whole way through. We have some fun guests. We even got a resident Hoop Fiends fan who, uh, being the love of Riley Borkin's life, has caught the podcast in between a wall for years, and she busted through the wall and came on and hopped on. Historic podcast. Hoop Fiends history. I want to title that episode, The Hoop Fiends Meet a Woman. <laughs> that is that is historic. I can't wait to listen to that one. I ha- I've listened uh, sparingly, considering I don't watch the show, but I'm definitely going to listen to that one because it's historic. That's a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for a great episode. Of course. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Meanwhile, we'll be back tomorrow for part two of hopefully not his sorrow. <laughs>